0: Ready for the interview, and if you get a cue live on a laptop, watch what I'm going to do. Welcome to the show, let them know we got a point of view. Hey, yo, let's have a combo. Say what you feel, be real, that's the motto. Real talk, pronto. doctor, D, PhD, hit an intro. Hold up, wait, gotta be social, network, global, home for the local. Gotta be social, network, global, a home for the local. Always happy to see you, Peter, man.
1: Oh, dude, it's been way. It wasn't been like four, or five months.
0: Been a while. Been a while, man.
1: Yeah. Thanks for being flexible on that. Uh, the last quarterly one too. It's of course, been,
0: uh, man. Twenty twenty
1: one has been a continuation of twenty twenty. So. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I. You know, you gotta be flexible with people. I'm very big into that, man. You know? Yeah. Yeah. have you been up to? How you been? Oh, I've been good. Uh, you know, pumping out these podcasts. Uh, working in my businesses. And just trying to have a peaceful existence as much as possible.
1: <laughs> are you are you struggling or are you succeeding at the last one?
0: I'm succeeding. I feel like I'm succeeding. Yeah, I feel pretty good about it. Um, I, th- I feel like I always am, I have a fairly peaceful existence like 99% of the time. And uh, I don't know. I think it's, a, I mean, I've had some things go up and down, but I think I just try to, be, how I approach them, I think, I think is a big part of it, yeah. And how wow. that lends to my peacefulness, Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah, I always hear too about how uh, people talk around like staying even keel. Is yeah, that, is yeah. that important to you, or is that? Yeah. Important? How do you, because that's always a struggle of mine, right? Is like, I have an impulsive streak, which is why I'm doing what I'm doing, to be frank. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a lot of it's always up and down and up and down yeah. and down. And I try and tell myself to stay even keel, but yeah. you know, I preach it too, right? Like I espouse it, but it's yeah. hard to go by your own advice sometimes. It's so like, how do, you, how do you go by
0: that? You know, I think it's just a lot. I think it started for me when I was in college because when I was in high school, I was a shy person, but I was like a real hothead. And it's like, I would get so upset so quickly if something didn't go my way. And then when I got into college, I was like, okay, I think one of the things that helped me is I was a, a very like a successful track and field athlete in high school, and then I lost a lot at college when I got there. And The losing made humbled me a lot. And then I started taking a lot of classes in public speaking, philosophy, Um um, counseling, basic counseling, all these things. I, I needed to learn good coping strategies. That's, and I knew that, like in my early 20s, I knew I needed better coping strategies uh, for that. And then I think also during that time, in my mid-20s, I reconnected with, with my faith, faith-based communities. That really grounded me. And ever since then, it's been like I've been even, pretty even the rest of the time. I just try to continually... Do that try to be like a good NFL quarterback. You know, you throw a pick, you gotta just like nothing happens. You come right back. <laughs> you know,
1: yeah <laughs> that was something my dad always drew it. So it's like I played baseball growing up. So yeah, uh, you bring up the NFL quarterback. It was always baseball players after they make an error.
0: Yeah, we would
1: watch them, and he would always be like, if you the camera because the camera would always zoom in. After always makes a mistake, boots a ball, drops a fly ball, whatever it is, they zoom in on them, and he goes the tel- the tail was it the tell mark or the whatever the word is but you can tell a a professional baseball player from a semi-pro one Mm. because if you look at the professional baseball player after they make an error you shouldn't be able to tell right but with a semi-professional baseball player a lot of times you can yeah and i think a lot of that has to do especially in baseball to in the nfl with this new 17 game season Mm -hmm. it's just and they say it all the time it's like a marathon not a sprint yeah Right. So, and the difference between, um, I just know baseball well, the difference between a 300 hitter and a 250 hitter is one hit every two weeks.
0: That's crazy.
1: One hit every (laughs) two
0: weeks. You think that's nothing. You know, you're like, it's nothing.
1: Yeah. And that's, and if you think about it too, it's like just one extra ground ball sneaking through the infield or that ball that you got fisted on or you hit off the end of the bat that the fielder caught. Right, that counts as a hit too, and yeah, that over okay, the course yeah. of a season, just one hit every two weeks over the course of a season, can turn you from a minor league flameout into a, con- a consistent professional all-star.
0: Wow, crazy! That's incredible. It is like a marathon too, and I think sometimes it's like you have to be okay with like no progress happening. Like that's hard because it's, I think we live in a society of this like this growth mindset of like i will always like achieving more. Numbers are getting better month over month, year over year. And it's the same thing like uh, the podcast, you know, most podcasts fail. I'm like, well, what does that mean? You know I mean? It's not like most of them aren't going to become this mega, mega monolith thing. But so what's your definition of success? I think it's just going through high numbers, low numbers, being consistent. People sometimes not being great, sometimes being great. It's just, it's like anything that's long-term. Sometimes there's going to be lulls in it or times you're just like, what am I doing? Like, yeah. I don't think that's okay, but it's, it's you just have to keep going. That's like my big thing, just keep going, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, it's, part of the pro-
1: it's part of the process too, uh, Yeah, because I'm, I'm running into the plateauing thing now. Did I tell yep. you I got obsessed with rock climbing earlier? This year? No. Dude. <laughs> obsessed, like straight obsessed, so much so that <laughs> I, I went down the, the complete rabbit hole. I got like wow. shoes. I go multiple times a week now. I'm thinking about buying a van and just foregoing an apartment or a house to yeah. drive around the country and just climb. Uh, <laughs> but the, you know, I started earlier this year and there's people who have been climbing ever since they were infants or right? toddlers. Yeah. So I'm by no means any good and I'm just like slowly progressing. But the cool part has been I've been consistently progressing. And now I'm at that point where I'm busting my ass, you know, I'm working yeah. out all the time and it's very specific to rock climbing stuff, Yeah, but yeah. I just can't get over that, uh, that plateau. Right. And are you familiar with the rock climbing grading skills at all?
0: No, no.
1: It's, it's uh, in the Americas, at least it's uh, bouldering mm-hmm. is done. It's no, it's not lead climbing. So bouldering is mm-hmm. done. You're not attached to anything. You're maybe climbing yeah. 15 to 20 feet. It's less moves, more explosive typically. And that's graded on a V scale. So V zero being the easiest, like beginner, all the way up to I've seen V 16. And uh, I am at V three right now. Yeah. Like I, can, I can do V threes consistently, but if you get me on a V four, man, I have not done one single one yet. Yeah. And it frustrates me because I've been stuck on V threes for months and months and months. Mm. The hardest part for me now has been like seeing consistent progress, continuously progressing is fun right like it's like the work that i'm doing i'm busting my ass it's paying off but now i'm doing the same amount of work and it's not paying off so it's like how do i keep as you said how do i keep going through that yeah. and it's hard because i'm trying to find or what i've tried to do is find the actual joys and why i enjoy doing it and that's right. really, that's really helped me. And I don't know, is, is that similar to what you do? You try and yes. find why you enjoy doing what you're doing. Yeah.
0: Actually, it's so funny. You mentioned that because I think I always have to do that because I get this thing where like do something, and it gets, it goes, goes, goes quick. And it gets big, big, and then it starts leveling off anything that I do and I have to go, okay, why am I doing this? Like, am I doing this to become X, Y, Z or chase this huge, um, you know, you know, lucky rainbow and this pot of gold at the end. I'm like, no, I did it. Cause I just want to like, what's the basic reason I started anything I started. I think if you remember that you'll just enjoy it, yeah. you'll just, you won't worry about the other stuff. You'll just enjoy it for, for what it is type of thing, you know?
1: Yeah. So starting it with the end goal in mind, isn't the best option. <laughs>
0: no, no. I don't think so. I think it's just like, well, why did I? I always think that was my my personal training business. Like I've been doing it for 21 years almost now. And it's like, okay, I've been doing this 21 years. It's pretty easy for me to do. It's pretty natural. It's automatic. You know, it's like training is a language for me. I speak it fluently. I just boom, roll in. I know what I'm doing. And I'm like, well, why did I start doing this? Because I enjoy one-on-one relationships with people. And exercise happens to be part of it. And if I always keep that mentality, it's always enjoyable to me. If I don't, then I start dreading on someone. You know? yeah.
1: That's interesting. So for you, it's about the people, which makes so much yeah. sense with yeah. all of the things that you do. You, right. You, yeah. <laughs> you see it's like the
0: podcast. Yeah. I don't worry about any of this stuff. Like, regard, with it, I'm just like, whatever. I'm just like, I get to talk to my friend Peter today. Yeah. That's really what matters. And, you know, people listen, whatever. If they don't, Who cares? The point is, you and I are talking. <laughs> Isn't that really the point? Like, yeah. you know, and, you know, some more people get introduced to the donut. I introduced a few people to the donut the other day. You know, I was like, one of my friends was like, I hate the news. And I was like, oh, I got something for you. And she signed up for it immediately. And nice. she like, oh, this is really good stuff. And she's like, well, why haven't you told me about this? And I was like, well, I don't know. I just, I got so much going on. It just came up in conversation. I was like, oh, you think about it, you know.
1: Wait, but, you mean you're not continuously promoting the donut? You're not oh, selling us right. everywhere. Oh, you <laughs> you're not doing it, everything you do. Oh, how dare you? How man? dare I do that?
0: <laughs> I know. I was but it's like, you know, because I know you now I have ammunition of like if somebody tells me that, I'm like, oh yeah, I know this person. Somebody tells me they love filmmaking. Boom, I got two or three filmmakers that I know. It's really an education for me, learning from other people and creating lasting relationships, you know, and I don't know, if I keep that simple in my mind, it's always enjoyable, you know. Yeah.
1: yeah. And it's so funny you said that because the root cause of my rock climbing is uh, it's just it's escapism for me. Like some people find it in comedy. Some people find it in yeah. entertainment. And I do as well, but it's a different yeah. type of escapism. Because it's all based on the things that I love. Like, I love solving problems and I love solving complex problems. Yeah. And bouldering, the routes are literally called problems. And when you complete the problem, you solve the problem, right? So check one there.
0: The other thing that I
1: I love, I have this competitive streak that is, it's incredible. And (laughs) the thing I love about rock climbing is it's competition not against other people. Right, Cause like if you're fighting or if you're yeah. playing a baseball game or football, for instance, the other team could have a bad day. Right. So yeah. you could beat somebody on their worst day. Yeah. And yeah. the thing I love about rock climbing is you look at the wall and you look at the problems that doesn't change. It never changes. Yeah. You change. And huh. for me, there's something like beautiful in that.
0: I like that. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: I really like that. That's like profound. Man. <laughs> <It's> like. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. You're like doing all this stuff, you know, it's like, meanwhile, you have the donut and all this stuff. And like, how do you deal with all this news, man? I feel like the news gets crazier and crazier.
1: And it, part of the reason that um, I'm having much more fun doing what we're doing now is we got out of just like the, the more ass of the news and started yeah. focusing more on stuff that uh, we find interesting and other people also find interesting. So it's been really interesting because like our, our growth, over the past few months or so has just like exploded oh, and it's nice. been ever since we started talking about the donut as this daily digest that's just like a conglomeration of everything and yeah. if you read it you'll have the ammo to be the most interesting person in the room like we Cover <laughs> scientific study like today right. a study about genetically modifying mosquitoes to eradicate yeah. human death from diseases passed on all that mosquitoes. yeah yeah. So we're, we're doing a lot more stuff like that. And it makes it a hell of a lot more enjoyable than like somebody in Washington did this thing. It's the end of the world. Or like somebody in Russia is doing this thing and yeah, we're all going to yeah. die tomorrow. Right. It's like, it's a lot less, <laughs> it's a lot less of a focus on like sensationalism and the negativity and more on like finding the joy and learning and exploring. And that's more yeah. what we're trying to espouse now instead of arming people to go yell at each other online, <laughs> which, which is kind of what we did for the first like year and a half or yeah. so. And man, it'd be ridiculous. like, I don't know if I've talked to you about this before, but before we made this kind of like slight content directional change, I'd wake up every morning and my inbox would have anywhere from 50 to hundreds of people reaching out to me just angry. Like really? vitriol, oh dude, vitriol, Internet, ah. All of that, and the hilarious part like, I would find I'd have to try and find joy in it, you know, because it, it felt like just being bombarded with negativity. Yeah. Since I, you know, ever since I opened my eyes in the morning, and the joy I would find in it was kind of like dark humor almost. Yeah, we would get politically minded folks who would reach out to us about a particular story, and like on the right, they'd say stuff like How can you use this language? This is such a liberal language, so on and so forth. Uh And on the left, it's like, how can you use this language? This is racist, is misogynistic. You're obviously coming from a bad place. And the hilarious part, this is where the dark humor comes in, is both of those people were looking and reading at the same exact story.
0: Wow, man.
1: So, which one is it, man?
0: What is it? (laughs) So,
1: the solace I took in that was if we're pissing those types of people off, we're probably doing something right especially if it's about the same thing right um, but that you i mean back to your question that just that weighs on you man it really does and then yeah. you don't ever really see anything positive in the news no. so it's like natural disasters murders um you know partisanship ugly partisanship yeah anger and it's all it is is designed it's like uh we've talked about the social dilemma before it's like yeah. the social dilemma but there's no algorithms it's people
0: yeah yeah, it's actually. Um, I have to tell you, I actually, have something in mind. Uh, at some point, I'm going to be chatting with you about this off off air. Yeah. Um, it's another business I'm starting, a project, and I was like, oh, I got to talk to Peter about this, type of thing. But uh, it's in it's in the mindset of like, we need a better social communication aspect. We need better. We need we need a better spaces for, for discourse or or energy we need better energy out there so i got i'm working on something but it's like just better energy that and people could be a part of this energy that's just more positive i think that's that's like you see the news and stuff it's like man do i really need to hear about the recall in california and how it's already being like oh the election is going to be stolen it's like, it hasn't even happened <laughs> like 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 what is wrong with people like this is crazy stuff you know and it feels like we're going down the slope of never-ending crazy extremism on any side of the equation just massive extremism and no no society can live fruitfully in that space over time you know
1: so let me paint a picture for you right? so you talk about the um feeling like we're just bombarded with extremism yeah dude that's what that's 100% what it feels like right it's like it feels like there's politics that are reaching their grubby little tendrils into every corner of our lives and it's a small minority right like a small vocal it's a small outsized outward they're extraordinarily vocal as I guess what I'm trying to say is minority is and they've captured A lot of our just kind of like media and content apparatuses, and I can talk about the news side, because I know the news side extraordinarily well, they're all competing for the same pool of consumers. Mm. And so there's a small group of individuals on the right that pay for news, and there's a small group of individuals on the left that pay for news. And all told, close to 20%, I think the actual number is 17% Mm. of all Americans pay for news. But the thought leadership in the media industry is saying, well you know, our advertising revenue is going away because of Facebook and Google. And mm-hmm. we, can have a, we can have a discussion about that because I sure. see something happening that's that's different than that. But mm. what they see is, okay, we're not going to be able to support ourselves on ad revenue anymore. We need to establish a direct relationship with our reader and we can do that through subscriptions, right? Mm-hmm. So people pay us for access to content, which yeah. is why you see a lot of paywall or a lot of news publications sure. now tossing up paywalls. But the problem with that Eighty plus percent of people don't pay for news, right? right? So now that information goes away for them, and these uh, newspapers are fighting again. They're fighting over the same twenty percent of people, and yeah. the twenty percent of people that are interested in the news are interested. They like uh, confrontation, right? They like knowing what's going on and being able to argue with other people and things yeah. of that nature. And those are the people that are. Are being targeted with this type of information, but the audience we're going after is the 80% of people who are too busy in their day to day lives to (laughs) ditch.
0: Seriously. Right.
1: and that's who we're going after. And nobody is servicing those people. They're, yeah. So they're looking at all of this, this the news app and the content apparatuses and they're going, this is fear-mongering. There's nothing original being said. Like it's literally yeah. the same arguments over and over and sure. over and over again. So we've had a hell of a time with our dose of discussion section in the newsletter, which mm. uh, takes a hot button issue and then provides a, a 360 perspective on that hot button issue. So you can actually access different perspectives and have right. a more holistic view of that um situation we've been having a hell of a time finding stuff that's interesting because it's over and over again mask mandates vaccine mandates yeah, yeah. it's the same arguments over and over and over <laughs> again and there's nothing new man there's nothing, nothing new. new and it's so frustrating to me but i can't think of an explanation of why that is except for what i just
0: laid out yeah wow it's crazy that's crazy to me on some level it's like there's a small percentage that makes up a massive megaphone for a lot of people you know it's kind of the whole squeaky wheel thing it's a very squeaky wheel man. <laughs> i mean that wheel is super squeaky it ain't like kind of squeaky it's yeah. like the squeakiest wheel i've ever seen in my life <laughs> Yeah, and I mean you're still
1: competing for traffic too. So right, so the yeah. incentive is still there for sensationalism. It's still there to be divisive. Because again, going back to the social dilemma, yeah, we as human beings engage more with stuff that has negative undertones. Yeah, just we just do. It yeah, it's just the way that it is.
0: What so do you do? Huh? Yeah. How much does the saturation aspect to this? Because almost for like the internet itself has become so saturated that like even whatever is posted almost doesn't even matter like it doesn't even get looked at really unless it's like crazy, super crazy. So it's like this competition for news that is more sensational than the last thing you know
1: yeah and that goes back to the volume. Right. So it's the similar to the the social media companies is there's just it's so much information, just like the, yeah. if you look at the number of videos or number of hours of videos uploaded to YouTube every single day, it's some like staggering. amount,
0: Ridiculous. Yeah. It's
1: yeah. something staggering. And there's no possible way that a people can consume all of that. And right. like, you're just absolutely inundated with so much choices which is where the algorithms come into play right so the algorithms make it so you don't have to make choices they just serve as content (laughs) that they know you're going to be and that's that's the scary thing that's the scary thing are we actually making our own decisions anymore and i don't know if we are or not it seems to me like no but they're the ones that are serving making the choices for us and serving up the content which goes back to what we've been talking about the content they're serving up because their incentive is for more engagement. We need to keep keep people in our app, in our ecosystem, whatever it is, so we can continuously serve them with more ads, more content, right? Like that's, that's the game and extricating ourselves from that game. I don't know what the answer to that is or how it really even can be done.
0: I don't know either. How do you unplug yourself from the matrix of news and things to regain it's almost like I have an analogy here, kind of like follow me on this. OK, this may be this sound. I've said this publicly and I'm not going to back down from it because <laughs> I really believe it in a sense because this is this is my field and fitness and wellness. OK, so right now it feels like it's get hard to get out of essentially the Internet and stuff with this mass whole thing and social media. I compare it to fitness and trying to get people into fitness. We know for like the past 30 years, 15 to 17% of the population exercises regularly. That has not changed. It has literally not moved an inch at all in the past 30 years. Meanwhile, our technology keeps getting better, which DoorDash, Uber Eats, everything we do is to make our lives easier and have less physical activity, pretty much at this point. So we're asking people to get into something that's good for them, yet... Yet technology is saying, you don't need to work that hard. We're going to take away manual labor from you. That does not, so saying that people are going to get fitter is totally untrue. On a mass level, humans will never be fitter. I'm putting this, I've been putting this out there. Unless the grid completely falls apart and humans have to go back to hunter-gathering primarily, we will. We are on the track for a tremendous amount of Crazy levels of obesity and overweight. It's just going to happen. You can do nothing about it. Nothing. It's going to happen. It's already happened. Seventy percent of people are obese or overweight already. It's just we're heading. This is a this is a refrigerator with five hundred pounds of explosives going down a hill. No one's stopping it right now. It almost feels like that for people to get off of this cycle of terrible news. Social media, something significant has to happen to destroy it almost. And people don't have the willpower to stop it. It's like a few people here and there. <laughs> like On a mass level, who's going to stop the internet and social media? No one. I don't no, think
1: it's going to happen. But this, and this is, might be, um, and this is why I'm so interested in, in this topic is if you go back to when the printing press was first invented in 1440, hmm. it was a similar It was similar to the internet in terms of it gave people who didn't have a voice the ability to disseminate uh, information and their voice on a higher scale. But we know what happened after the printing press. Right (laughs) after the printing press. And it's the dude, humans don't change. We don't change. The technology changes, the tools around us change, but we as humans don't change. So there was a major issue, a major issue with misinformation after the invention of the printing press it's so like people, it's unbelievable dude like people were literally writing books about like how to spot a witch 101 and selling these books people were reading these books and then killing people in their village because of what the book said so like ah the book says this is a witch has to be a witch let's go witch. let's go burn her let's go fuck her up right and yeah then, yeah but it's similar to kind of like what's happening today right is um, we have a similar if you want to call it, you can call it a problem. You can call it a problem, but we have an issue yeah. with a lot of false information that's driving people's behavior.
0: Yeah, and the
1: way that was solved with the printing press was consolidation, right? Is take away the voice from as many people as we possibly can. <laughs> and I don't know if that's going to happen again. But if human beings don't change historically, and we don't appear to have changed, history repeats itself over and over and over and over again. That's what I think looking into the future is going to happen. There's going to be some form yeah. of consolidation where people get their information from less and less and less yeah. and less places. And that is going to be how we solve the problem. Yeah. Too much information. And is,
0: I mean, do you think that will actually happen?
1: Like I, I really do. And you're seeing it now too. I'll be know. good. I, I mean yes and no, right? Because then you have less uh, less people who are. Disseminating information and the ability to have top-down control of what's said is greater, right? So everything yeah. has trade-offs, dude. Literally, it's always a
0: trade-off, has, man. Always a trade-off. You ever go to a restaurant that has like nine million pages on it, you know? <laughs> and then you go to you go to In-N-Out Burger, and there's like one tiny little thing. I don't know, man. I'm going to the small menu. I ain't going to the one with like a bunch of choices.
1: Well, and I mean, specialization versus generalization is kind of what you're talking about too, right? I'd rather go to the place that does the same thing over and over again. and they Like really
0: well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Versus (laughs) something that's like, all right, we got Mexican food. We got Italian food. We got Chinese food. Then you look in the back and it's like two, like two middle-aged white people. Yeah. You're like, (laughs) this
0: is not good. He gets good at
1: all this stuff, you know?
0: (laughs) I never met a human who's good at like 25 things, right. like, like like at the top of the level, you know? And in many, I, I said this to my wife, I was like, kind of similar to what you said. I said, you know what? It's like the internet gave everybody a voice. And the problem is, man, this sounds bad to say, but I want to say, not everybody needs to have a megaphone. They really don't. Not everybody needs to have their thoughts put out for the public purpose, you know? That's kind of nicer when, you know, some people just lived in existence and they didn't have to worry about how many people heard whatever they ate for lunch or whatever. I mean, it's like, I don't know. I know it sounds bad on some level, but it's like, it's like any business that gets too big and they lose quality control. You know, it's right now we have no quality control. And like, we're trying to do it on the back end. Like, well, maybe we should, maybe we should say this tweet is not good. And then (laughs) it was just like no thought to that in the beginning at all. You know, I was like, it's retrograde you know
1: i think we have a i I think you're right we do have a problem with oversharing and it might even be a little bit bigger than that too so like what so uh one thing that i had to learn because i I mean i grew up in a a household where i was uh encouraged i was fostered i was told i was loved right Mm -hmm. so i kind of like thought that i was you know I, I had a, a certain predisposition for myself that the world didn't necessarily share and, and what I mean by that is the world does not give a shit. It does <laughs> yeah. not fucking care like no. it does not care no. and there's the mis- there might be a misconception uh... with um, like the way the past couple of generations have been raised with like my opinion matters about everything. Everything. No nah, it really no. doesn't. <laughs> at the end of the day People do not care, right? Like I'm having a hard enough time building a business. You've yeah. built a business, yeah. right? Like getting people that care about that yes. is astronomically difficult. It's hard. <laughs> and I think people underestimate that combined with the social pressure to have an opinion of literally everything, which yeah. I hate that, man. It's like, oh, why God. do I have to have an opinion on something that A, I don't care about and B, I know nothing about because my opinion is going to be incorrect. Whatever the hell it <laughs> is, it's going to be incorrect.
0: I thought, yeah, I, the oversharing, I don't know, it's just like, if you go on any platform, there's always like massive amounts of irrelevant information being shared. It's like mostly irrelevant. You know, ah, uh, life is good. Oh, went to dinner tonight. And it's like, so what? <laughs> like, like, and it's like, there needs to be like, again, you ride the slippery slope because then you have somebody say, oh, see, you're trying to censor me trying to tell me i can't do this you know i i'm just saying like do you want ten thousand voices or do you want like a more moderate number of voices It's kind of like hey is honestly it was better when there was like three or four channels you know I, it really was i mean and that's like these streaming platforms how many streaming platforms can you have before people are like i'm making choices can't watch this one anymore you know
1: yeah, I would rather live in the world where I have the choice, though, and I curate it to be a small group of voices, which is kind of yeah. versus kind of like blocking out stuff, because if we're getting the same type of information from like the three or four channels or the sources, I think a lot of what's happened today um, at least from the governmental side of things is we've seen based on like FOIA requests and yeah. uh, the Patriot Act and what Snowden's done, stuff like that. Like the government's yeah. not wonderful, right? The government's not great. No, of course not. Most yeah. of the time, a lot of the time, they don't have your best interests in mind. But when we had the three or four channels, it was always, you know, a very government centric kind of point of view. Sure. Now with the ability for individuals to disseminate information, we're learning Things are getting exposed that wouldn't necessarily otherwise have been exposed and whether they should be exposed or not whether they need to be exposed or not
0: yeah. i kind of think
1: they do because i personally just want to know what's going i want to know reality right like i sure. don't want people to lie to me and obfuscate it i want to know what the hell is actually going on because if somebody's yeah. telling me the world is one way when it's actually not i can't live the best life i possibly can yeah because i'm dealing with shitty information all right. So I'm I always wonder if like social media has caused our problems or if it's just exposed ones that have already ex- always existed.
0: I mean, maybe both on that. I just like less choices. I'm just a yeah. big less choice person. Like it's just I truly believe most people are paralyzed by too many choices. Yeah. And There's then they just default. Yeah. Yeah. Then they just default to even they'll default to something bad just because it's familiar. Yeah. That's so. A- that's that's like basic human behavior. So if you give people all these choices, everybody's creating a startup. Everybody's creating something that's like, man, I like choice, but to a, to a point. Right. There's, I can relate that. Go I'll,
1: ahead. I was going to say, I can relate that back to sales too, because that's another thing that I'm, I am yeah. have a, a, a lot of success with. And on the sales side of things, you don't want to inundate people with choice, right? So when yeah. push comes to shove, it's not like, hey, you can have whatever the hell you want to. (laughs) That's how you start the conversation off, right? And as you start the conversation off really broad, and then as it goes along, it narrows and narrows and narrows and narrows to solve the problem that the business you're talking to or the person you're talking to has. And that's, um, at least to to me, at the tail end of that, you don't provide like seven different choices. Like, okay, so you need to solve problem A, you need to solve problem B, you need to solve problem C. We have Infinite options to do that. Which one do you want? It's like we need to solve problem A, we need to solve problem (laughs) B, we need to solve problem C. Here's three options we have for doing that. Which one is the best for you?
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And that always makes it so much easier because there is this paralysis. And I don't know if it's like decision fatigue, um, just consistently making decisions on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Um, and People aren't going like Psycho Steve Jobs or Zuckerberg where they're like, yeah. "I am more the same thing every single day. So I don't have to make <laughs> that decision and I have capacity for other decisions. Yeah. But it's like marshaling people or uh, providing people with less choices is always more successful. But then again, as we mentioned, there's always trade-offs. And the trade-off, a trade-off. is you might not get exposed to a better option just because the person who's providing you with the choices doesn't quite know you at the same level that you do. Yeah.
0: And then like, you can't care about everything. Right. Know, it's like it's like, I feel like, especially young people, they want to care about everything. everything. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's impossible. Like, it's literally impossible. And I feel like, you know, in, in high school and younger grades, we need to teach kids about critical thinking, yes. skills, how to make better dis- digital literacy, how to come to good decision making. And I think what's pr- the internet's awesome. I'm not sitting here and say it's not because it's amazing. I love it. <laughs> but I think it is, it's been good. There's so much good about it. Don't let me tell you, it's not negative. Oh, I'm just saying, there's a lot of good. But I think we don't, we're not very good at choosing things when we have too many choices. So we need to educate people about how to properly choose things that work for them and that are not, I want to say negative, but aren't, don't hurt other people oh, yeah. or you know that are harmful. And I think a lot of humans, I love people, man. But man, we're kind of dumb on a lot of things. I mean, like we do a lot of stupid shit all the time. And one reason why I feel peaceful on a regular basis is because I think about my decisions all the time. I don't, I'm not like, oh, I'll just do this today. I'm like, no, no, (laughs) like think about what, if I consume only this content, where where will this lead me? How many people ask that question? They just consume content. They don't ask the question before they consume
1: yeah and i think meditation and i that helped that's what helped me a lot is like yeah. just get the hell away from devices get the hell away from content yeah. get the hell away from having to fill every single second with music or something auditory right. or visual stimulation right. or oral statement whatever the hell it is like yeah i needed i felt the need to fill every single second with that yeah. and then every time that i i try and step away from it and meditate i'm always drawn to our ancestors right and i'm thinking yeah. like our our ancestors didn't have this problem. So like how the hell did they fill time? Right.
0: It, <laughs> I you know, didn't then, have this
1: problem growing up. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, neither did I. Like in the media. 80s,
0: man. <laughs> like, no social I mean, media.
1: <laughs> you know, and and when I was I mean when I was growing up, it was um my space came around at high school. And so yeah. like uh, as an elementary student, I we didn't have any of the, yeah. the pressures. And I can't even imagine you know raising uh, a, a family right or like oh, raising a daughter in this world. And from probably as, as soon as she could like talk or see the environment. Yeah. Around, she might be seeing people on screens or other people on screens or like, I, I just don't, I wonder how that impacts the future generations or us moving forward.
0: Well, I, I can tell you, I had a conversation about it today, actually uh, with one of my clients. We were talking about it and I think parenting is harder than ever. Yeah. I think it's harder than ever because of, screens and devices and too many options and kids you know they don't know the difference like they are drawn to stimuli just like adults are but kids they you know they just haven't had there's no buffer for them and you're the buffer you have to be the buffer you have to say there's only so much time you can have on this and by the way some of this stuff is not good for you the difference is like i grew up in the big tv generation i watched a mega ton of tv but the tv wasn't as influential. It wasn't, you know, it may say, oh, go out and get some Dunkin' Donuts. All right, but just a commercial. Yeah. The sinister thing now is like, it almost is like coaching you to do stuff. It's yeah. recommending stuff. It's telling you, it's, it's influencing you. That's the difference is now it's like, hey, you're on here. This is what you want. You want this. Yeah. You, you need this. Actually, you know what? Don't even make a decision. I'll nudge you. The next episode will start whether you want to or not. Unless you say stop. Yeah. That's what makes it harder. I think those types of things. So I with my daughter, we're we're real, we're pretty strict about it. And that because I think you have to be. If not, you have to remember you're you're raising an adult. Your child will not be a child forever. <laughs> they will become a full-fledged adult. And much of what they do in the beginning will be because of what you did in the beginning. That <laughs> time. That's all they know or whatever you allowed them to be exposed to through media and things like my daughter will not be getting a phone until she's 13 or 14. Yeah. No way not happening, but there's plenty of people that their little kids have phones. I don't understand that. I yeah. mean, I don't get that. I mean, Dude, I, I putting a bomb in your kid's hand. I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's why I think you're right on the critical thinking uh, yeah. aspect of it, right? Like that's, that is, I'm, telling you right now like that is going to be the differentiating skill over the next century be <laughs> yes because it, the ability to ask questions and the ability to very quickly and easily understand and grasp what's going on so like if yeah, you look yeah. at uh, have you ever read about uh, the school Elon Musk created in census kids Tool? no it's one and we uh, we can even look it up on here what um, is it I'm gonna forget a lot of the details but their whole focus is on problem solving and critical thinking that's it all that's the kids a, yeah. do is they, they're te- they taught critical thinking skills and then their assignments are literally to solve real world problems. Oh my so gosh. If you want to talk about preparing somebody, a kid for the real world in the best way possible, that's it. It's not going in front of a you know a blackboard and being like all right so the first thing we're gonna learn today is this and then we're (laughs) gonna learn that and then did everybody do the assigned readings no fuck that like i want to actually get my hands dirty like teach me how to think teach me how to ask questions i want to learn stuff i want to explore things i want to be able to make mistakes and there's like not on tests right being asked not on tests the pythagorean theorem it's like no who cares (laughs) how how do you apply the pythagorean theorem to create this um this yeah. Assignment. You kind of get what I'm saying, right? It's like a yeah, it, world yeah. application of the things that you're supposed to learn, but you don't even need to know the things that are being taught in school. Cause guess what? You can do a freaking Google search.
0: I know and, yeah. it's crazy. That's actually, It's funny you said that too. So where I live, they just opened a brand new high school. It's called Bellingham intergenerational high school. And it's literally based off of what you just told me. The high school is actually, it's funny. They, The malls, malls are dead, you know, malls are dying, (laughs) left, you know, they're terrible places at this point. (laughs) But they took over a big part of the mall and they're having the high school in the mall. They use the space. I thought, okay, they're using the space for a very innovative high school where um, it's based off, I feel like it's based off of a lot of like Native American based practices and tribal communities where like elders are really important within the community. So they they get, mentors in the community come into the high school and in the morning, the first period you come in and you speak with people in the community and you come, and they, they help you, they help grow you. They, they give you knowledge and wisdom and the whole thing. You have mentors, you have like four or five mentors. And then other parts of the day is you take classes in critical thinking, digital literacy, all this stuff, how to read research studies. It's all based off of how kids are will be living in the future. And kids take classes they want to take. They that that they, they don't. You're not required. It's like how do I become a better human in this world type of thing. It's crazy. I'm definitely sending my daughter there. We're still here for sure. For sure. I don't want conventional schools. I'm done with conventional school. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: And that's it's so sad that it's and also it's sad that malls are dying. I spent so much of my they're like, so dead. Middle school, i spent so much of my middle school year there, man. Like ah, hey, you guys want to all go meet at the mall and then walk around and look at stuff we can't afford but really want to get our yeah.
0: They're so dead. There's actually an interesting documentary, I think, on Amazon Prime. It's about a mall in Florida. It's so depressing. It's so depressing. It's oh, like, man, malls are dying so bad. You know, it's like, uh, well, what's gonna happen
1: with them? Is the um, a lot of what Amazon's trying to do. So, have you heard about their kind of like reverse retail strategy? No. So that if you think of like Amazon and Walmart, those two are trying to accomplish the same goal, but in just different ways. Mm. It's right? so like Walmart had a massive, has a massive retail presence and they're mm-hmm. trying to get into the online and logistics space. Then you have Amazon whose strategy was, we're going to blow out this e-commerce this new uh, e-commerce market. Then after we blow out the e-commerce market, we'll have the ability because we've just destroyed the retail industry. We'll have the ability to, Go into the spaces that are now left vacant from the retail companies that went belly up and we can utilize them as grocery stores we can utilize them as warehouses distribution mm. centers things of that nature in a lot of major locales so we can be very well positioned to deliver and serve the customer deliver products and serve the customer the best way possible and yeah. then at the same time they're doing that right so they're expanding more into the retail side of things now and then Walmart's trying to expand more into the e-commerce side of things because they have this massive retail presence already. Yeah. So everything you see Walmart doing, it's almost hilarious because it's like Amazon Prime. I don't <laughs>
0: even want to say 2.0 because I don't know if it's better or not, but it's yeah. like a
1: different version of the Amazon Prime.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. So you're saying is it would be like Amazon Balls basically kind of thing? Dude, or like- seriously. Yeah. And like they bought Whole Foods recently. Right? Yeah, That's yeah. Clear.
1: So yeah. now they're expanding grocery stores under the Whole Foods name. And then they're launching Amazon. I think it's Amazon, Amazon. Fresh.
0: Yeah, Fresh yeah. And, and Go, Amazon Go also. So like yeah. it's like cashless. Uh, You don't have any cashier. You just go in and stuff. Yeah. have it in Seattle. Yeah. Which, I mean, I, where do you think that's going to go? Like, I don't. I have thoughts about this because I feel like some of this stuff I have thoughts about, like, they're, they're bad, man. They're like bad thoughts. You know what I mean? Like, but if you have to say, it's like, I don't think anybody grows up wanting to be a cashier at a grocery store. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anybody aspi- wants to aspire to that. But, and also, people need to work. A lot of people need to work. So, on one hand, I'm like, okay, fine. You don't have cashiers. I mean, what's the point, anyways, if it can be done? But on the other hand, I'm like, man, I don't want people to lose their job. So, but, so the technology side of me is like, this is great. Like, why do I need to interact with the cashier? Really? I mean, for like a couple seconds, you know, the other side, I'm like, oh, man, what are the people going to do? always conflicted by that you know see but i don't buy the first
1: part of that argument because that argument's been used consistently over and over and over right like industrial revolution industrial revolution yeah people out of jobs well guess what the amount of jobs overall in the economy has continuously been increasing ever since people have been saying sure you know this new innovation is going to display right so i don't necessarily buy that what i'm concerned about is the like knowing how it has to work and the Proliferation of cybersecurity, yeah, uh, breaches and things of that nature. Sure, they'll have to have some sort of biometric info stored on you somewhere, and it's oh, not yeah. just going to be Amazon. It's going to be a bunch of other people. Well, you can and do the palm happened. with yeah. Amazon. You can they read yeah. your
0: palm. You can do payment. Yeah,
1: so that has to be stored somewhere. If you think about how of it course. actually operates, right? Is like yeah. if you scan it, then the system goes and pings the database to see if there's a match in the database. Yeah. If there is, it's like gives you the go ahead. So they're stored yeah. in the database somewhere. Now we've talked about the 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 tendency of humans to consolidate things. At yes. some point, that database could be consolidated. Right. And at that point, we could be looking at something that exists today, right now, like China's social social credit scoring system. Yeah,
0: I'm familiar with that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's that's where I'm trying to, that's where a lot of my fear is, right? And it's it mm-hmm. might not even it's probably not even gonna happen in our lifetime. I hope it doesn't. But it's something that future generations, I feel like, will have to deal with. But the capacity for um, an authoritarian government to emerge from something like that terrifies me because that has been human history. That has been human history, except for like Greece and sure, kind of like America and then Europe over the past 100 or 150 or so years. So, for the vast part of human history. There have been despots, tyrants, monarchies, that sort of thing. And like you're a you're a student of history. Like life sucked, man. It's like, was it I know life was nasty, brutish, and short.
0: It's the best time right now, actually. It's really the best time. I guess I'm probably more in the in the aspect of like, I'm a big technology fan. So for me, purpose seriously, I don't think anybody wants to be a cashier. I'm sorry to cashiers, but nobody wants to do that shit, man. You know, I'm like I never met one person who was like, this is amazing, you know, stuff like that, or work in a warehouse. I worked in a warehouse when I was in high school. I couldn't believe how garbage it was, how terrible of a job it was. I don't think it's gotten much better, honestly, (laughs) sometimes. So I think the thing is, it's good to free people from doing that type of work. But then I hear an argument of like, well, then people will have all this time to do stuff that they love. I'm like, I don't know, man, people can't people have a hard time do- like doing stuff. You ever met people who have hobbies? It ain't a lot of people, by the way. <laughs> Most people are defined by the work they do. Yeah. They have no clue what to do outside of that. Like you're doing, high- you're doing climbing. That's amazing. And you know, I have a lot of interests, but I know a megaton of humans who have literally no interest outside their jobs. Like, yeah. So freedom
1: up to do what? Be on right. their phone all the time? Right. Back to your 15 to 17% of people work out. Right. Yeah. Like that, is that what's going to happen if there's ultimately a lot of freedom that humans can now enjoy? Right. Like, just what the hell do I do with my what time? What do you do with your time? Yeah. I mean, that's a great, but first of all, it's a great problem to have. This is, it's a like, great problem. Right? Like, yeah. it's, you know, it's an incredible problem to have, but at the same time, it's also a, a problem. <laughs> as, a problem. As, as humans, we're like, <laughs> We have a we have a tendency, and I'm the same way to just get into vices, right? Like that's why yeah this that's why prostitution exists, so on and so forth. <laughs> and it's like what the hell else are you gonna fill your time with? Like I got drugs that I could get drugs <laughs> delivered to me now? Like, yeah. Why the hell not? You know, like, what am I gonna do with my time? I don't need to do anything with my time. I don't have nothing, I don't have anything to do. So like that's, that is something that I'm concerned about. Not it's only, a problem. <laughs> right? But not only for society, but also to be frank, dude, like I think about that for me as well too. So like when the donut's done, because this thing takes all of my freaking time. Yeah. Like all of it. Yeah. And the reason I found hobbies and things outside of it is to keep myself tuned, like mm-hmm. at the best version of myself to succeed with the company that I started. Yeah. But when the company that I started goes away and there's this big gaping hole left in my life, I have an addictive personality yeah, and have had one or two vices, you know, in my yeah, day. Sure. Um, so like, I don't know what I do. <laughs> like I really don't. And I, I, mean, I shouldn't be thinking about that, but. It, like, I think I, you
0: should be thinking about
1: it. <laughs> like, like I see the other uh, entrepreneurs and hopefully I get to, you know, to be successful. Like they, they have, but yeah, they've filled a lot of their free time since they started companies like the Tony Sa the zappos yeah, yeah. in Vegas who yeah. killed him well I don't know if he killed himself or it was accidental but he was locked in a shed that he set
0: on fire while he's going downhill man he went yeah. downhill like and, and that's a lot of people like because work it literally defines it's like you go to a place what do you do for a living you don't ask them anything else at the beginning and I always think that's a mistake for me I've always juggled a lot of things in terms of pursuits and hobbies Way more things I'm into in that vein than I am into my job. And in some sense, I've always tried to stay small, anything that I've done. I've done enough to create a good living for myself, my family. And I don't aspire to make a megaton of money. I know that sounds very un, you know, uncapitalistic, but I know what happens with people. I've seen it a lot when, they, when it's, it's never enough money, never. You think Jeff Bezos has enough money? guarantee he doesn't think he has enough money everybody thinks they want oh i get this amount and i'm good that's not true that's totally not true that's my second fear (laughs) yeah when what's enough right now seriously in my life i have everything that i've ever wanted in my life in the history of my i have it all right now i'm not rich so what will the extra stuff get me to yeah First class all the time. Whoop de do. <laughs> a little more vacations. I've done all that. I'm mean, like, tell me what I'm gonna do that's better than what I'm doing now. Go to some stupid party that's maybe like with a bunch of people that everybody loves. I, I've I've had some of the best ragers of people with people you've never heard of in your life. I'm like, yeah. tell me how what did, I'm supposed to do. <laughs> like, how did how did you get to that point? I think I just, I think I just never tried to shoot for something that was like, you know, like when people try to be famous, I don't get that. I'm like, why that's do you want everybody to just, in mind. Right, why do you want yeah. every, first of all, the consequences of that are immense. So what, you have a lot of money, but you also have traded off your privacy, tremendous privacy, and you have to keep trying to remain famous. That thing. That's the whole thing, you know? So for me, it's like, okay, I've, I've read a lot of the research about how much money, you know, between this and that is kind of where the happy zone for people with that, anything beyond that really doesn't matter. And two, I just like, I see the evil that happens when people make so much money. It's never stopping. You become a, you serve money. Then Then this money becomes your master at that point. I like making money. I'm not saying I like making money, but I'm, I'm always, it's like, seriously, nobody's, I never told anybody that. I'm telling you this. I've never told anybody this. One of the reasons I do a podcast is to keep myself from making more money. Because if I don't fill this time with podcasts, I will get more clients. I will try to fill it with more clients. I will try to grow my business. And what is that going to do? It's going to take me away from my family. It's going to take me away from other pursuits like talking to you, enjoying that. I literally have to create the blockades from making money or else that's all I'll try to do is make money. Are you schedule oriented? Like, are you very yes. strict schedule? Yeah. Yes, and I have to put it in a schedule to keep me from trying to fill that with money-based opportunities. I'm not opposed to money. I'm just saying, like, I know that there's, if I allow myself to go down that hole, I'll just obliterate everything else in my life. I will, I'll just, I'll ignore everything else and I will just focus on making money and I'll never make, be happy. I just won't be happy.
1: You know. Isn't that crazy? And isn't that also like a it's eye opening exercise? What I've done in yeah. the past, where was yeah. it 168 hours in a week?
0: Was yeah, 168. Yeah. yeah,
1: there's only everybody has the same amount of time. We all no. have 168 hours. And the reason yeah. I was asking if your your schedule inclined is it sounds to me like you did an exercise where you sat down. And you're like, here's the amount of time that I have in my day. Here's yeah. my priorities. I'm not going to compromise on these priorities. Not going to do that. How do I? maintain my level of happiness and maybe lifestyle with yeah. the amount of time that I have left is yeah that kind of
0: is that kind of what you did that's it I, w- I refuse to work more than five hours a day refuse yeah. to that and I know people but like, what <laughs> I'm like I've done the 60 70 80 hours a week I'm not any happier yeah. <laughs> I'm just
1: not <laughs> I'm doing it now, man. And I can tell you the tools that it has on relationships. I can tell yeah. you that it has on just anxiety, stress, my own health, uh, yeah. the people around me, you know, like the, it, it has, it has an impact. And the reason yeah. why I started a company is so like, at some point, all I could focus on was family and relationships. Yeah. And what I'm understanding now is I'm losing a lot of the relationships that I would have lost over time anyways. Yeah. But I need to make sure that I'm not overworking myself and taking yeah. no vacations, right? Because, dude, like,
0: you last have to year,
1: like last year after I started the uh, or actually two years ago after I started the company, I told if I told you about like the eviction notices, the like power no. Have I told you about it? I don't or, think so. No, uh, think so. Dude, so first off, if you're starting a company, don't do anything like what I did. I started the company <laughs> in an in industry I had zero experience in, yeah. absolutely no experience in didn't really know anything about because if I knew something about it right. I would have known that hey you need a shit ton of capital and For sure. a lot of time and I thought naively <laughs> right like the entrepreneur's fallacy yeah like we were talking about earlier I care about something so much I love something so much everyone else is going to love it and care about it just as much as I did and <laughs> this is not the case man this, this is, is not the not. case so like <laughs> if you looked at no like if you look at any of the projections that i put together starting off the company i was like all right we're going to be a million dollar company in four months it's like no that's <laughs> just, no this is not how it works um, so love it so i i didn't i didn't realize that because i was just so like naive and stupid and yeah. whatever other adjective. so like a few months into it i don't give up shit like i just I yeah once i commit to something i do it so there was a, right. um, a few months after that i had completely ran out of money because i didn't you know, probably could have expected us to be a million dollar company. <laughs> so, um, at that time, you know, I'm working all the time, right? Like 14 yeah. hour days, yeah. putting together the newsletter all by myself, my due, and then trying yeah. to run the company at the same time. So I'm working like 20 hours a day at that point yeah. and have no money. So I'm getting like eviction notices on my door. Mm -hmm. Uh, Always somehow would like scrape out a consulting gig or like something like Sure, sure. I I don't know. I can't even explain it. But every single day was this. It felt like the weight of the world was on my shoulders. And I remember getting in my car and every day, dude, just like driving and bawling my eyes out going,
0: oh man, what
1: the hell am I doing? Right, right. What am I doing? And getting through that, to me, because um, you know, I got my power shut off, water shut off, gas sure. shut off, like all of that. I didn't have a couch for a year and a half. Yeah, slept on the floor most nights, right? Because yeah. my bed frame was broken, and yeah, like just uh, going through a lot of that made me realize that the goal that I had started with, right, like be successful, make a shit ton of money, starting with the end goal in mind, mm-hmm. was the wrong decision. So yeah. I had to reframe everything I was doing and find the joy in what i was actually doing yeah and by just a stroke of fortuitous luck i decided to pursue a passion even though it was in an industry that i had no experience in and that's kind of what's kept me going for the, yeah, the two years finding like finding the joy in what i'm doing every single day and then looking back on it now i'm going well i've gotten connected with people like yourself i never yeah. would have encountered at all I've learned things I never would have learned otherwise. So let's say, and this isn't going to happen because we're in a freaking phenomenal place, man. Like, let's say the donut goes belly up tomorrow. Well, I'm going to be able to take everything that I've learned, all the people yeah. that I've met, all the experiences that I've had and take that to whatever I do next. Yeah. And whatever I do next, and this is uh, the reason I'm telling this story is to like everybody listening, to encourage you to just take that leap if you've been thinking about it for a while. Yeah. The hardest part for me was starting. It yes. really was. And I just told you everything that I went through. Starting was harder than everything that I went through. Of course, And you just get the freaking ball rolling because I'm telling you, once you make it through the shit, and I'm not even all the way through the shit, I just see yeah. that right at the end of the tunnel. Like yeah. Once you make it through there, you'll have confidence you never would have expected to have. You'll have knowledge you never would have expected to have. You'll have met people you never would have expected to have. And
0: your life could be what you never expected to have. So. That's awesome. I mean, that's beautiful. It's a great way to end it. I mean, it's a man yeah. fantastic yeah. way to end it. Peter, you're the man. Awesome. I mean, I'm so glad we're friends. I really am. Me too, man. Yeah. Too. She, I she realized. Uh, I don't know.
1: If, I don't know if you noticed last time. I'm not going to make this mistake this time. Though it is true. Um, the end. It was a tale in the last episode we did, and I was getting like calls and texts from my mom, and yeah. Oh. Uh, you know, I have such a bad, like I cannot multitask. Like I literally can't. <laughs> most so people can't, I'm, okay. I'm, can't well, right? They're lying to themselves. Yeah, that they yeah
0: It's not done well. I'm telling you. <laughs> it really isn't. No. No. no.
1: You can only, we can only focus on one thing at a time. I'm telling as. you, it's um, true. But yeah. Yeah. But we were uh, we were signing off and you're doing your own like thanks for coming on, you know, all that stuff. And I'm thinking of my mom. And um, you said something towards the tail end. It's like, good to have you. You know, I'll see you later. Like, all right, bye. I love you. And then it got off. <laughs> it's like I did with my mom. <laughs> I,
0: I love you, going, Peter. It's good. I'm now. going, oh, man.
1: Like, did you think that was weird? Was
0: that odd? No, I
1: said no. It kid, Like, no, it's fine. But look at us. Look at us go. We I know. Whatever.
0: We're good. I'm, I'm very open to whatever. <laughs> no, don't worry about stuff like that. But thank you, man, for your time. I really appreciate it. You're busy, dude. Thanks for just giving me some of your time in your day. I really appreciate it. Dude, I love these conversations. Thanks for having me on as always. And uh,
1: anybody listening wants to check us out, the the donut.co, the donut.co. It's T-H-E-D-O-N-U-T.co. We deliver bite-sized digestible news that doesn't suck. And on that note, we actually just uh, launched or just announced the launch of a brand new newsletter. And it's going to be 100% about positivity and uh, providing Lovely. people with more of like a mental break or vacation. So the news, new newsletter we're launching is 100% positive news, like mindfulness exercises, mantras, journaling Lovely. exercises, exercise and dance videos. So maybe you can help us out there. All right, And just trying to build a community that's, that's gassing people up versus bringing them down.
0: Love it, man. Peter, you're the man. I can't wait to talk to you again next time, man. Sounds good, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Later. Thank
1: you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the rate and review section. Thanks, everyone.